Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Somehow, someway, we're still alive. <laughs> and we are, in fact, recording live. This is your SteelerFury.com podcast. Uh, I am your uh, host, Bradshaw to Ben. I lost um, something like 10 years of my life, so I may not make it to the end of the show. Uh, but I, along with the rest of you, managed to survive last weekend, and along with your Pittsburgh Steelers, who survived Cincinnati, got the hell out of Dodge, and uh, are on their way to Denver. As we speak with me, as always, to talk about it uh, is, the great pundit of Steelerdom, who's also stuck in a traffic jam right now. So conveniently, he's available. His name is FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, I, I was afraid they were going to call the cops on me on Saturday night. <laughs> I was like, I have new neighbors upstairs, and I'm thinking they think someone crazy lives downstairs from them. Because I sound like a Section 8 housing guy, you know, like screaming to myself. Uh, no. But, but I made it. Oh, man, uh, I understand. It's just been craziness for me for, like, the last, like, week. You know, since the Steeler game, as you said, I'm stuck here in a traffic jam, and I'm just, like, watching, like, two idiots that wreck their car, and it looks pretty nasty. And this broad is just, like, looks like she's fucking retarded. <laughs> she shouldn't be driving the car. I just drove by her. So I am now out of the traffic jam. I mean, so, people, uh, Wait, so you're, you're in, other, in other words, your day is a metaphor for – the Steelers and, and the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. It's a car wreck and an idiot, and uh, you know, you're stuck in traffic. Right. Antonio Brown being out also doesn't uh, do very good for my Friday morning. That's not the greatest way to you know get up and shake and then find out you know not only one of your best players but one of your favorite players is and you're going to be out for the playoffs. You know, for this game. You know, it's it's kind of a shitty day. <laughs> Yeah, not so good. Well, let's you know before we get into the uh, the, the Burflicks hit on on Antonio Brown. Uh, well, can yeah, you hear me? You know, my reception's yeah. terrible. I am five I, minutes from my house. I'm gonna call right back. Okay, well I got you. I got you. I I hear you just fine. But I'll tell you what, I'll I'll carry on without you because I got some stuff to lay on the peeps. I'll I'll bring in Greek Steel. We'll talk to Greek Steel. What's happening, Greek? Hello. Hey, buddy. How's it going? You're the next man up. you got, you got to step okay, in Okay, no worries. Uh, I'll hold the until uh, FC's back. Are you making it? So are you going to Denver or not? It's uh, unlikely. i gotta get. I got to be back for a meeting on Monday. It's probably a no. Hey, does your boss not understand how life works, the things that are really important in life? <laughs> it's more It's more <laughs> a client, but yeah. Yeah, you need to... You need to uh, you know, have have your client watch Conan the Barbarian, so he'll that's, know. That's okay. I'm gonna. I've got he'll, uh, he'll plans in the worst AFC Championship game. <laughs> well, that would be uh, better than crushing your enemies and seeing them driven before their women in lamentations or whatever the, <laughs> whatever the yeah, hell it there is. There you go. Uh, 
Actually, I think Fury called back in. You back in, buddy? FC, you there? I am. Uh, my reception is going to be like horrible. I could be. I'm going to probably be at my house now in about five to ten minutes. So if you lose okay. me, we'll just stay on. Like we'll just keep on talking here. And Don't if worry. you lose me, I will. All right, I'll call back in like you know the five yeah, to ten yeah, minutes. No, yeah, yeah. We got you. We got you. And Greek Steel's on the line. I don't know if you heard, but uh, I, Sorry. I, I uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you a chance, FC, while you're still on the line. Uh, sure. But just you were about to say something about the Cincinnati game. Uh, in terms of just the overall game, are you with me? Did you like the strategy the Steelers came out with in the bad weather game against an uh, unproven quarterback to kind of play it close to the best? Somewhat. Um, I, I'm a lot more comfortable if we could I, – I think that we should have maybe attempted to attack a little bit less or, uh, or a little bit more early in the game. But I can understand, you know, wanting to limit mistakes. And the, the defense looked – you know, pretty damn dominant for, you know, the first three quarters. So I understand why, you know, they were a little bit more, you know, cowerish. I even said, you know, like like halftime, Bill Cower looked like the happiest man on the planet. <laughs> you know, this is not cower football. <laughs> well, and also I noticed that, you know, like the safeties for uh, for Cincinnati were basically this, even the corners on the outside, everybody was playing super deep. The safeties were like 25 yards off the ball. So in that, in that scenario, you know, you're not going to get a whole lot of attacking down the field no matter what, right? Correct. That's where you have to be able to attack them, you know, with the mid-range passing game, you know, between 16 and 18 yards, and especially attack the middle of the field, which we've been looking for for a couple of years. And I <laughs> think know? actually, you know, the, despite the fact that they sent him on a route like that at the end of the game, that for the majority, they don't send Antonio Brown a lot into that intermediate slot uh, with a chance to get blown up over the middle. I think they understand that he's not physically capable of taking hits like that over and over again. So maybe that's part of why we have all this edge game is that our best receiver is not really cut out for that. Sure. I mean, but I, even if you, you have to attack the, in the middle of the field with Martavius Bryant or Marcus Wheaton, I know he's also not the biggest guy. Maybe we'll see more of it with uh, with uh, Coates, Sammy, Sammy, my man, Coates, uh, this weekend. But – you know, uh, you know, it's you're more familiar with Denver than um, than I actually am. You know, and uh, the weather, the, 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 if Ben can throw the ball, if I, I think that he should still have the strongest arm of any quarterback playing in Denver this weekend, even with you know the, you know the AC sprain and the, the, the ligament damage is scaring everybody. As soon as you sprain that leg or sprain that joint, you're gonna have the ligament ligament damage. And Ben is a little bit of a drama queen and wants to tell you every single thing that's wrong with him. So I'm well, I think, I mean, in his in his defense, I think also it's it's not bad to be uh you know, precise this is what the doctor said to me precisely from the standpoint of both full disclosure for, you know, the press who can is insatiable in Pittsburgh about these kinds of things, what's happening with the quarterback. But also sure. hey, make his make his opponent think he can't throw it deep. Let them let them have that, you know? Because uh, if you know until until he proves that he can throw a deep, maybe maybe they will uh, not be quite as uh, geared to taking away the deep ball, and we'll have a chance to make a play or two. So I'm I'm fine with that. Um, I was going to ask you though about the run game, being that Cincinnati was playing kind of off coverage. That uh, you know, do you think the runners for the Steelers were were as good as they looked, or do you think that was somewhat a product of the fact that uh, Cincinnati wasn't playing so strong in the box? 
Oh, I think that the, the both backs are actually pretty decent. It also is a byproduct of, you know, Cincinnati, you know, had a six-man box at times. But, you know, the, I, I thought Fitz Toussaint and uh, Tomlin did a great job. Now, neither one of them are going to be mistaken for Le'Veon Bell or even for D'Angelo Williams. But both, you know, both guys protected the football. They didn't make many mistakes, if any. They both blocked well when they were in the game, especially, you know, Fitz Toussaint. And, uh, you know, on the, on the final drive, you got to remember, Toussaint made a nice over-the-shoulder catch. You know, that had nothing to do with the box to get a first down, got out of bounds. You know, I, I think what will be all right, you know, with our running backs for another week. I, I, I think yeah. both guys are pretty good. They're not going to be mistaken for all pro backs, but they're decent, pretty damn good. I think uh, our offensive line made a pretty good impression on Denver the previous game. Vaughn Miller said, if you were constructing a perfect NFL offensive line, it would look like those guys. <laughs> so apparently, apparently he felt like uh, you know the Steelers' offensive line was was pretty good in the last game. And I sort of feel like running the ball against Denver, if you can accomplish that, it opens up a lot of things against them. Sure. I mean, it, the Steelers are going to have to be able to win the ball, the, especially now with no Antonio Brown. They must win the battles at the line of scrimmage. You know, they're going to have to establish some type of run game, and other guys are going to have to step up that, you know, maybe, you know, we didn't see coming. You know, maybe Heath Miller is going to pop off a 120-yard game, you know, or maybe it's going to be Sammy Coates, or maybe it's Marcus Wheaton. But somebody's going to have to step up, and they're going to have to pick up the slack, you know, without A.B. Indeed. Well, uh, as it relates to uh, Ryan Shazier in this game, you know, it would be hard to imagine the Steelers winning that game without Ryan Shazier. It's not Donald Oh, they wouldn't have oh, they would, they beat Cincinnati without Ryan Shazier. It was the best – game that he's played in his NFL career and it's probably the best game for a Steelers inside linebacker since James Ferrier in 2008 you know you're yeah, going back that was, far you know really an impressive array of things that he did too it wasn't any one aspect of his game it was kind of just everything that you brought him in for he showcased in a very big game and he seems to have come on since the first Denver game uh, it seems like he's he's on a bit of a roll and that's made a big difference in what the defense is able to do yeah, I, I I I agree completely. Maybe he's you know maturing more into an inside linebacker, getting more experience, you know, um, to, to it. And Hayward McClendon was a dominant force. He didn't play a ton, you know, when when he was in there. But uh, if he's clean and he can run to the ball, there's no there's no reason why he can't be an an absolute glorious playmaker. He has well, skills. Uh, and I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt. Just going to ask you, would you have ever imagined that this, this defense, the way that they looked in preseason and at the beginning of the year, would ever even resemble the defense that you got on Saturday night? Because to me, that's the biggest story, really, of this team, other than the injuries. Sure. I mean, you, you, got, you got production and good play from pretty much all levels of the defense. You know, the defensive line was solid. Linebackers made plays, a ton of plays, Shazier. Um, James Harrison was actually very solid, you know, versus uh, the run, which, you know, goes, you know, goes overlooked a lot of times. And once again, Ross Cockrell, always around the football, you know, you know, getting the Jeremy Hill fumble with a buck 30 left. Wow. I would have fired Marvin Louvers over that call. I take a knee three times. I don't care the score. I take a knee three times, but that's me. So. Well, apparently uh, Marvin Lewis never saw the Steelers' divisional playoff game against Indianapolis in 2005. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and also, uh, wasn't there 
there was another game this weekend that uh, did the Seattle Minnesota game. One of the other yep. games featured a, a fumble late as well. So uh, yep. it, you, know, you know the defense is really trying to strip the ball in that scenario, and if they're smart, they are anyway. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Shazier made made a heck of a play there uh, there to strip that ball out. But what goes unnoticed is Jarvis Jones has Jerry, Jeremy Hill's other hand, so there was no way for him to even get the second, you know, hand or arm over there to secure the ball. If you go back and look at that replay, you can see Jarvis Jones chopping wood instead of wood. He's chopping at the guy's wrist and forearm, and uh, <laughs> Jeremy Hill couldn't get the, his other hand on the on the ball. And I give all the credit in the world to Shazier for forcing, you know, forcing the fumble. And I mean. You know, I, I often talk about uh, Antonio Brown, you know, stepping out out of bounds a couple of years back by, the, you know, the half the width of his small toe, and that was the difference between the Steelers making the playoffs or not. But, boy, that the fumble that he created there, Shazir, in that play, that you know, the, the, guy, the running back's knee is about a centimeter off the ground when the ball comes out. So, you know, that's about how close the Steelers were to going home among, after everything else happened. Jeez, you know. Uh, and then let's get on to the next thing, which is, uh, you know, the hit from Perfect. I, you know, of all the things he's done this season, you could uh, most of the time put your your, uh, you know, if you take if you take your Steelers hat off for a second and you look at it objectively, if he were on your team, there's a lot of stuff he did throughout the course of the year that you'd be you'd feel pretty good about actually. That you'd think that's a tough-nosed player who has an attitude and and you know blah blah blah. But I thought the hit on Antonio Brown was as uh, ridiculous and evil-spirited a hit as I've seen in the NFL in 40 years. You know, like it was not just guys coming over the middle got to make a pay. It was I'm going to lean my shoulder and take a direct shot at the guy's head because it's here on a platter for me. Um, do, do I have this wrong? I mean, you know, I I don't think you said it, it looked horrible do i think that he like thought it completely through you don't have time to react like that he threw the flipper out there he him in the head it was illegal it should have been 15 yards you know i i don't think that he meant to do the type of damage that he did i don't think that jack tatum meant to do the type of damage that he did against daryl stingley it's a violent fast game that happens and you know was i glad am i glad that it happened yeah yeah i mean in a way we don't that's an incomplete pass, and our season's over otherwise, you know. So, but am I going to miss Antonio Brown this week? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think, by the way, I don't buy that our season was definitely over because I think you're really only one completion away from having not a – Wasn't that fourth down? Wasn't that fourth down no, on the play? No, no, no. Right? It was not fourth was, down. I think it might have, it might no. have even been first down. Okay. He made – I apologize. The fourth, they converted the fourth down, I think, yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. You got – you got at least one more play and a spike. Time for one more play in the middle of the field and a spike. And I think, given that, you can't rule out that they would get at least far enough for for one attempt, if you know, from 51 yards or 50 yards. So I felt like I felt that was the only reason that they won. But you know, come on. I mean, I know we talk a lot on the show about about Ben being a tough guy and a football player and all that business. But I mean, come on. It, well, he took it to a ridiculous extreme this this week, did he not? He did. I mean. Uh... Whenever he went down, I didn't think it was a like super serious hit. And whenever I seen him get carted off, I knew it was a super serious hit. 
And, yeah, it really, uh, it, really, it really reminded me of 2008, that hit from Mario Williams where he had the same injury. It just kind of was like an instant replay of that. Sure. Um, generally, whenever you have a shoulder injury like that, you have all the weight coming down on the quarterback and like a twist and a roll. Like, I didn't think the hit from Burfecht on Ben was dirty. Some people do. I really don't think it was that bad. I mean, you, I, 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 I felt horrible whenever he went down and – I was absolutely disgusted when Landry Jones, you know, came in. Um, I can tell you this. This is something I'm not very proud of. I almost turned the game off after <laughs> before the Jeremy Hill fumble, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, I had a, a family member that was all pissed off and was, you know, walking out. And I was like, holy fuck, he fumbled. He fumbled and he came back in thinking, oh, you lying. So, oh, and he's like, holy shit, he fumbled. <laughs> and uh, after, yeah. I ben, after I seen Ben run back on the field, I said, oh, we're, we won. This game's over. What was the famous game where uh, the, the crowd at Heinz Field all left and they were out in their cars when the comeback happened and they missed the end? It's a, something from the last 10 years or so escaping me right now. It wasn't right the now, Packers, was it? Was it the Packers Steelers? But, oh, but, yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, people miss. They miss some of these great finishes because they give up. You can't give up, man, ever. Right. No, I know. I, I mean, know. until it's until it's absolutely, literally impossible, you know. So, anyway, there's a good lesson for that this week. Um, hey, we got Greek Steel on the line. I'm sorry, Greek. I, I brought Greek. you sudden, unexpectedly and brought you back. But you were thinking about going to Denver, but now you're thinking about going to uh, hopefully see the Steelers next week. There you go. Yep. I'm enjoying listening to you guys. My computer's not working, so I'm listening as well anyway. Oh, I see. I got you. Um, you want to talk about the panning, don't you? <laughs> Go ahead, Epstein. I was going to say, the weather's not too bad where you're at, where your computer's not working. I just hope it's, you know, I hope that you're you're decent where you're at. Yeah, it's You have, right. like, power and shit? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, well, it's only good. 30. It hasn't, you haven't had the, the Arctic blast hasn't hit you yet. Uh, Arctic, no, it's been a really, really mild winter. I think you got some Canadian yeah. in you, eh, uh? B to B. I heard you say he had his knee a, a centimeter off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but only because centimeters. You're gonna confuse your callers. L- less than an inch. I am totally gonna confuse the callers. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I start talking about defense and uh, schedule, you'll know I'm I'm all the way there with you. Um, so how about you? How was your Saturday night? Did you uh, sleep well? Wow. You like being up uh, on- I, it, uh, you know what? I'm still catching up on that sleep. Yeah, that was uh Fairly good finish to a game. Although uh, I just today I watched the highlights of uh, the 2005 game against the Colts, and I was thinking, you know, that game had everything the Bengals game had except for, uh, you know, the the team that fumbled at the end unexpectedly ended up winning the game. Uh, but but this one was this one was fairly crazy. Uh, did you did you think that the, the the perfect hit was as bad as I thought it was? Which side are you on here? I'm uh, I'm more on your side. I I did think there was intent in there, but that's just me. It reminded me of a hockey play where I wouldn't guy say that about reaches out with an else elbow except, and... except for Perfect. I don't think I'd say that about anybody else. He's probably really pissed off with the that whole De Castro thing that was going on. Not that he needed any extra motivation to take a shot at one of our top guys. Uh, speaking of DeCastro, just for a second, FC, did you see DeCastro's reaction when Adam Jones got the uh, second 15-yarder? 
It was like a little fat kid that was getting given a candy bar, <laughs> jumping for joy, baby, jumping for joy. He did a little, pir- he did a little pirouette like a ballerina. I thought that was pretty. <laughs> Wait, a Greek, which dance is better, that uh, pirouette, ballerina pirouette from uh, DeCastro during the game or uh, Ligurski's uh, snow slide, bare-chested snow slide and posing uh, photobombing ESPN? Yeah, I saw that, that one too. Good. That was pretty good. Yeah, we got some we got some very nimble offensive linemen compared to the old days, uh, for sure. Um, but uh, as I said, you want to talk about Peyton Manning, I'm sure, because you don't you think Peyton Manning is the most overrated playoff quarterback of all time, don't you? I think the numbers do show that. Besides the eye test. Well, how about this? Two and five in uh, his career uh, divisional games after a bye. Two and five. Yep. Nine, and one, he, and done. Yep. Uh, I mean, not all of that is his fault, obviously, but I don't know. Did either of you guys see last year's Denver Indianapolis game? Remember anything about that game? Denver Indianapolis. I do. Didn't, isn't that the game that, uh, that Denver came roaring back, or was that two years ago? Like, the uh, Colts went up. By like, I think like almost three scores, maybe with seven points, and Denver came roaring back. Or do I have the wrong game? Well, uh, the big, the biggest thing in the Denver indie game that I my takeaway from it uh, was that Pey- uh, Peyton Manning just kept attempting to throw the deep ball into double and triple coverage, and and they were way off. Like it was, they were throw the throws were like not even allowing his guys to have a chance to get the ball. Denver did not come roaring back in this game. They kind of Indianapolis pulled away. Um, okay. But you may be thinking it about an earlier game. I think you're thinking about um, yeah. maybe the game against New England. They came. They, it was a little bit more. Uh, there you go. A little bit more like that. But uh, right. The game where they ended up going to the Super Bowl. But I just Correct. felt like uh, Greek. It wasn't necessarily a lack of arm strength last year. It was just you know his. He's never been a super great deep ball thrower. Uh, and in, la- in last year, at the end of the season, with his you know supposed leg injury and all that business, that he was totally unable to attack deep, and he they gave him that ball. That basically the Colts didn't you know trick him into it. They for- they more or less said if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with these deep balls between the cover two uh, corner and the cover two safety. And Peyton was just not able to hit those. And, and to me, that's a real you know that's the thing about the Steelers' defense is. They haven't been very good at stopping that the ball uh, in between the safety and the corner. That's going to be a key in this game. Uh, but how, how do you see it breaking down, Greg? I'll give you the first shot at it. I see a, a big battle of defenses. I think we're going to dare them to throw deep on us. At least that's what I would do. Low scoring, yeah, so, very defensive type of game is what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, I think our FC, you have to feel pretty good about the Steelers' defense from the standpoint of they seem to be rounding into form. I have no idea how. They're kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors, but it seems like they're on a little bit of a roll. Are they not? I mean, they're getting good front seven. That's a big thing. Uh, the the biggest key, for I think, for the Steelers' defense this week is you got to eliminate Ronnie Hillman and Mike Anderson from their run game. They can't get shit running. Now, I mean, there's going to be – they're going to get something, but it can't be – they're going to have to definitely limit the run game and turn Denver into, you know, it's going to have to be Peyton Manning beats us. And uh, I would probably, I'd bump and run every single fucking route. 
I would make Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel, Sa- especially Emmanuel Sanders, beat coverage, and uh, I roll the dice. I think the Steelers get up on Denver, and I think Denver may break. I don't think that they're mentally weak as Cincinnati, where you're going to have to worry about violence, but they got a ton of guys on the injury report. And uh, golf seems real good right now to a lot of guys, you know. So, you know, falling <laughs> behind by two, by two or three scores. And, golf uh, that seems may, good. That might be it. Uh, I, how much of what the Steelers did to Peyton in 2006 do you think is, is in play in this game? And, and I say that because their strategy in that game was more or less press the wide receivers and, in fact, you know, try to bump and reroute the crossers uh, and and give him, you know, fake looks at blitzes, make him think a guy's coming when he's not coming. Uh, so he's got he's got something to think about off a of snap, plus the receivers are not where they're supposed to be in the timing routes. I mean, that, to sure. me, FC, that's, that's still the way to beat Peyton Manning, no matter, his, no matter what arm strength he has. Right, and I mean, and he doesn't have near the arm talent that he had eight, nine, ten years ago. I'm, I'm not picking on, on Manning, but right now, I mean, I watched the game that Manning came back, replaced Osweiler in, and, I mean, Drew Brees looked like Brett Favre compared to Manning. Manning was literally throwing the football like out attempt to throw a football where he has to put a good bit of air under it to carry the ball vertically down the field. He has no snap left on his balls. I mean, people want to say, oh, what kind of arm is Ben going to have? I don't think Manning could have came close to throwing that ball in to, in to, to Anthony Brown that he got smoked on that, that, uh, that Ben threw. I mean, I, I, I seriously question Manning's arm strength. Yeah, well, uh, Greek, I mean, do we get to Peyton Manning of uh, the playoffs last year? Do we get to Peyton Manning of earlier in the season when he was the, maybe the worst quarterback in the NFL do we get to Peyton Manning, who's a little bit more rested and maybe has a couple of halves of football in him? Uh, even even a skeptic like you, there's a possibility Peyton comes out and looks maybe, you know, for one last hurrah in this game. Does, does he not? I don't know. I'm not seeing it. Even early in the year when he was fresh, he didn't look good. The the one thing, when he came back in his last game, what did he play, a, a half of football or a quarter? Yeah, two quarters. The biggest Something difference like that, is that yeah. the run game looks better because of his line adjustments when he's audibling. Passing-wise, I don't really fear him. Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, like I said, I, me personally, I, no one has led the charge to Peyton Manning has been a disappointment in the postseason more than I have. <laughs> I mean, I've been, on this, I've been on this thing for 10 years, since before the 2005 game, you know, when I talked, when I talked about how I felt that – that Ben had an edge over Peyton, even as a second-year player, because of their playoff mojo. That just something about play, Peyton's game does not lend itself to playing better defenses, playing amped up in the postseason. It's just never been a strong suit for him. When he's faced, um, you know, an overmatched team at home, uh, he's 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 put up some really great games. And he, and he to be fair, you know, he's he's made a couple uh, plays against the Patriots a couple of times that maybe Ben hasn't made. Uh, but I would say overall, my expectation is that, you know, he he will be somewhat disappointing in this game. I just feel like it's tempered by the fact that he knows it could very well be his last hurrah, like literally his last time on the football field. And even, you know, even the guy with Peyton Manning's tin man heart, 
or wait, not Tin Man Heart, a, uh, the, the lion's, cowardly lion's heart that, that he sort of had, uh, you know, in some respects, although a guy with five neck surgeries got plenty of courage. Anyway, you still got to feel like he's going to bring his best this week and that uh, the Steelers have had a tendency to give up an early score or two throughout the season. Um, I feel like it might be closer just because it's Peyton's last hurrah and his team knows it. And, you know, it just might be more than just uh, a walkthrough for the Steelers' defense. I don't know. That's a big, long pontification way of saying I'm generally agree with you, Greek. I'm just not sure. I'm not sold 100% that Peyton will be bad in this game. You want to take the you want to take a point counterpoint? Just I just think we're going to get what he's been in the playoffs, an older version. So one thing he's got in his favor is it looks like the the weather's going to kind of cooperate for him. So yeah, I'm hoping for although, that Arctic although, blast down there, but well, although cold, still 30 degrees or something, you know, for a guy who's never won a playoff game when it's below 40 degrees. So there is that. Uh, one thing, FC, you said I know uh, Denver better than you. One thing about Denver generally is that it's very dry there, and that can make it difficult to catch the football. But uh, the prediction that I saw for weather actually showed it being fairly humid uh, during the game. So it may not snow, but it's supposed to have that sort of feeling of, like, you know, where snow may be imminent. Uh, and therefore, I think that's a pretty good thing for a passing attack especially. Uh, so uh, for whatever it's worth. Um Guys, I don't know if either of you noticed this, but in the last 18 quarters uh, of football that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense have played this season, they've given up a total of 48 points. Uh, that's 2.67 points per quarter uh, in the last 18 quarters of football. So something about the halftime of that Denver game, I don't, I'm not sure who said what in the locker room, but something has really uh, changed for them. Granted, you know, they haven't played exactly the offensive juggernaut since then. Uh, but but still, they've, they've, uh, it's been pretty good football. And even before that game, you know, they only gave up 10 to Indianapolis, 20 to Cincinnati. So since the Seattle debacle, uh, they seem to have gotten it together a little bit. But uh, anyway, Greek, I, had a, I have the stat for you that I promised. Um, okay. FC, you ready for this knowledge? I'm going to drop something on you. Ready? All right. So there are three NFL coaches who have never lost a division, who played in a division round game uh, and won a Super Bowl and have never lost a division game. The, the first one is a, a guy you may be heard of named Lombardi, uh, who, who only played one division game in his whole – his team's only played one division game. He and Bart Starr played in the first uh, year of division games, which was the second Super Bowl season. Uh, they, they won on their way to winning Super Bowl two. Uh, Bart Starr was not long the starter after that, and Lombardi, of course, went to the Redskins after that season. And the following year, uh, you know, had an illness and died. So he basically died within two years of accomplishing that first division win. Don McCafferty, the coach of Baltimore Colts, when they won the Super Bowl uh, on the uh, the late field, go- the late game field goal, end of the game field goal by O'Leary. Uh, McCafferty won his only division game. He was only head coach for really a couple of years. Very similar thing happened to him. He also he uh, got fired from the Colts and he died the next year or something like that. He had, you know also died very young. So aside from the coaches that have died before they had a chance to have their next division game, Super Bowl winning coaches who have won more than one division game uh, and not lost any. Uh, the list is very short. There's one guy on it. His name is Mike Tomlin. He of course is two and zero in division games, uh, 2008 and 2010. But even better, 
aside from the for, the aforementioned Bart Starr, who did it uh, once, and then you know he only played one division game, so he only had one shot at it. Ben Roethlisberger, I don't know, I haven't heard a single talking head talk about this this week. Has never lost a division game. It's incredible, really. He's the only Super Bowl quarter Super Bowl winning quarterback who's never lost a division game. Uh, he is four and zero, two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand eight, two thousand ten, and. You know, this would, of course, be a fairly good test for him. And, you know, this is the guy who had the streak of never losing in Ohio, and he finally lost there. So all these things are subject to, uh, you know, to ending someday. But really, there's only, only uh, you know, Montana Bradshaw and Tom Brady have even uh, become close to being more than a 500 quarterback in the division round. I just thought you would appreciate that, Greg, that your, your quarterback, in the, particularly in the division round, has been awesome. I like it. Uh, there you go. Long-winded knowledge, but that was I spent you know like a half a day researching, so I had to share it. You <laughs> remember Tom McCafferty FC? You would be able to pull that name, right? Yeah, I actually I actually did know his name, and I actually knew knew that the the last straight on kicker to win a Super Bowl was uh, I believe it was what O'Leary or something like that. Oh uh, no, it's O'Brien. Is it, or was it O'Brien? I have forgotten his O'Brien. name. I, I, it was no, no, no. You're right. It was O'Brien. It was like straight on kicker, meaning old school. Block shoe. Mark Mosley didn't have the block block shoe. He was the straight on <laughs> kicker for the Redskins. But yeah, indeed. Well, that was the the first uh, football game that I remember watching live. Was uh, super, that the Super Bowl Colts and and uh, Dallas Cowboys won on the kick at the end. So uh, for whatever reason, that's that's how far back I go. I I vaguely remember there being football before that, but that's the first one that that. Uh, that stuck with me. I, I'm sure that I saw, I must've seen uh, Joe Namath in Super Bowl three, but I just didn't, it, I was too young for it to really register with me. So anyway, I am an old guy. Greek, you got anything else before we move on? I don't. Got a prediction for this week? A defensive struggle. You want to, you want to give me a score? Defensive running uh, struggle. I've got the Steelers winning this one. 18, uh, 15. Do you want to make any other predictions uh, for players that are going to have a big play? Because the last time you did that seemed to work out pretty well. Well, I see a lot of the talking heads of uh, talking. Ben's going to be taking some taking some shots. How about, I don't know, if Osweiler doesn't play, we might see your boy Simeon in this game. Well, well, that doesn't sound like necessarily a good thing for the Steelers. He's one, the one guy they have on the roster who's healthy and might be able to make some throws downfield stop and make it go away. <laughs> Anyway, you got to say, oh, you got a stealer for me that's going to have Maybe a, they'll uh, let them down play? gently then when they're sacking Manning. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, who's who's the who's the the uh, who gets the game ball for the Steelers in your prediction? Chris Boswell with 18 points. <laughs> true. It might true. be Chris 18, Boswell. There you go. 18, 18 points. It very well could be. All right. Well, I'll, I'll let you stay on so you can listen, but I'm I'm going to move on to FC here. So, uh, FC, let's talk a little bit about uh, the specifics of this matchup. And I wanted to start by asking, um, what's different about? I mean, what things will what things will be the same, and what things will be different about these two matchups? And I mean, you know, we've talked about the players who aren't going to be there, but what do, what do you think applies? What knowledge applies from the first Denver Pittsburgh game to this game? Um, Manuel Sanders has trouble beating coverage uh he has no problems being off coverage and he can eat you up in zone but if you don't give him a clean release you can pretty much 
limit his production uh, a great deal. Uh, second thing is uh, C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman will both be healthy. Um, so you're going to have to really attack the ball carriers, stop the run. And uh, I think probably the, the, the third thing that is going to be the biggest difference um, in this game uh, versus the last game is outside of no Antonio is of no Antonio Brown is I think the Steelers may put out three guys that are going to, and it's no attack on AB because trust me, I love them. But whenever you bring in Coates and you're going to have Darius Hayward Bay and you have Martavius Bryant, those are, you know, three very large lads that can run very well. They do have some ball security issues in catching the football, but some of those outside runs might break real big with those big wide receivers because, you know, it's it's Hayward Bay's a dirty blocker. When I mean dirty, he holds. But if he, Martavius Bryant's a big kid, Coates is a big kid, Marcus Wheaton's a willing blocker. Um, I think that Denver is going to get more of uh, like a hammer to the face instead of you know this lashes that this, I mean it's not, it, the series I think are going to enter this game you know figuring that they're going to have to out tough and out nasty Denver especially on the road um, on both sides of the ball so I expect uh, I don't expect the series to fall behind and uh, I expect a far more physical type of game than uh, the last game against Denver. Yeah, I kind of think, uh, you know, one one matchup that you may not work out this way because sometimes it doesn't, but the one matchup that should really favor Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh's defensive line against the Denver's offensive line. Did you catch any of what Mark Schlereth had to say about the Denver offensive line? I did. Um, you got I mean, Stink got mixed, mixed feelings. He grew up a Steelers fan, but he played, you know, a good bit of a successful career with Denver. There's people that actually think that he only played for Denver. He won a wash, won a Super Bowl as a starter for the Washington Redskins. But um, I did not catch the whole segment. I, I only I caught like the tail end of it. So you can essentially, he just said that you know there are two veterans retired and forgot to tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> they uh, Schofield shouldn't even be in the league. Uh, their starting right tackle, and that you know, right. on tackle, left tackle number three was terrible. I mean, basically, he he ripped them in a way that was beyond like, you know, I don't, I'm not impressed. I don't think they're as good as they can be. It wasn't like uh, he tried to couch it in a positive way. It was just kind of like, you know, these guys are not good at all, and I can't say anything nice about them. So maybe he was trying to, you know, sometimes they do this thing where, like Ryan Clark, where they try to uh, show that they're not partisan anymore. I've retired now, and I'm, you know, I'm an analyst now who can be objective about it. Therefore, I'm going to throw my old team under the bus. But I, I do think that, you know, Denver's offensive line is a weakness in this game to be exploited, particularly with Manning in the game, because unlike Osweiler in the previous game, who made a couple of key plays running the football, you're not going to see Peyton Manning take off with it. No, <laughs> he's a statue. Uh, yeah. So the thing is, I mean, I. Peyton has got to be able to, you know, call. He's got to be able to call into run plays that his offense, where his offense can win against the Steelers' run defense. And right now, you know, that's the strong suit of the of the Pittsburgh defense. Really, is they've become pretty damn good stopping the run. So how how does how will Peyton attack this defense in order to try to, uh, you know, to figure out some way to score points against it? Um, he's gonna probably. Uh... 
as funny as it sounds, uh, eight men in the box or more, he's going to have to throw the ball. Eight men or less in the box, he's going to have to hobble to run. And how many times can the Steelers fool Peyton? And how many times can Peyton make throws? You know, and uh, I know that sounds a little bit ridiculous, and you could say that about every game, but it's, it's even more true in this game. You got a quarterback that can't get off his launching point because he has the mobility of a sumo wrestler. You have uh, an offensive line that is really not great. You got a you know a front seven in Pittsburgh that you know has shown the ability to rush the passer at times, and they it's like once one guy gets there, a bunch of guys seem to get there. It's contagious beating blocks for the Steelers. So I think that uh, Manning's going to have to follow his keys, and they're they're going to have to get some really good efforts from you know Demarius Thomas and uh, I'll I'll tell you the player that actually concerns me quite a bit, and he's like 75 years old is Owen Daniels. He can make some plays out of the tight end slot for them. I don't really fear Vernon Davis. I probably shouldn't say that, but he is an athletic kid, but he's packed it in a few years ago. Can they keep Manning upright and uh, can Butler, you know, show Manning some things that will at the very least confuse him? And I I think the answer is I don't believe that Denver is going to morph into a very good offensive line, and I believe that Keith Butler has held a few things back or hasn't showed some of the stuff that he showed early. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I guess, like I said, I, I felt that there's three keys to this game uh, that I've said during the week. Uh, one is, I agree with you, a, a good start against uh, both Denver and Manning is it's kind of, kind of essential. It's sort of like, take, don't, you know, take their will early, make them question what they're doing from the beginning, because it just seems to be, a, you know, a, against a team and a guy who hasn't really proven itself to have psychological toughness in that way. Um, it's a, it can really make a big difference. Even if they're able to get it together later in the game, if you get yourself enough of a lead where you have some cushion, you know, then you can't have uh, the one play that San Diego made in the, the 94, uh, you know, AFC championship game. Right. Uh, beat Nature them, you know. <laughs> Yeah. If you, you know, or you can't have one or two plays that just, that just gets you, even though you've played a fantastic game up to that point. So to me, that's, that's one thing. Second thing is, you know, giving Peyton Manning looks, that he either doesn't recognize or he has to guess or he doesn't know 100% what's going to come next. Uh, because even if you only fool him for a little while or some of the time or on a couple of plays, uh, with it, the way his arm and, and footwork work right now, that might be enough to get you a, a turnover or a big play or a sack or something. So that's right. half, you know. half a second is the difference between a sack, interception, and a completion. And if you can make him stop and have to process something instead of automatically know it, that might be just the time to deflect the ball or to put him on his ass or yeah. for the cornerback to jump or, you know, jump around and make a play. The, the third thing is, ahead, the, the third thing, no, I was just going to say, the third key is, and this is going to sound funny coming from me. You guys have listened to me for a long time. FCU, we've been talking football forever. Uh, and I probably right. never said this before. I kind of think the running game on both sides <laughs> is a huge factor in this game because of the Perky. way because the way the Steelers are, you know, on the injury front and the way that the and Denver's pass rush, and also on the other side, you know, D- Denver's defense right now, or offense right now is a run-based offense with a quarterback who can audible into the right plays and get a couple of wide-open receivers to throw to because of the run game. So if, A, you are able to run the ball on offense as, as the Steelers 
then you slow down their their pass rush, which is the scariest part of what they do on the on the entire football team is their pass rush. Uh, if you don't let them run, you really limit what their offense can do. Just that, just controlling the run game on both sides, not having to be spectacular in either side. You don't have to stop them cold. You don't have to rush for 300 yards. But if, you were, if it has an impact positively for you on offense and defense, there's a very, very good chance the Steelers can come out of there with a win. And, I, you know, it's sort of like you can't necessarily lean on that to the exclusion of everything else. But I sort of feel like the stage is set for the Steelers, you know, to – to uh, you know, it's a, for a real coaching game. You know, it's a game where their offensive coordinator is going to have to earn his salt a little bit. Their defensive coordinator is going to have to earn his salt a little bit with some stuff that they haven't always shown they're great at doing. You know, so there's a lot of tendencies playing against tendencies at this time of year. I think you alluded to that with with you know uh, Butler maybe holding some stuff back. I, you know, to me, it's like. You know, how much can you change your tendencies at this time of year with the personnel that you have? Right. It, it, I completely, completely agree. But what I'm saying is you, you don't have to necessarily change personnel. You know, you can go, let's say the Steelers um, share that big nickel, and let's say that they blitz out of that big nickel 90% of the time. I give them a blitz look and bail out of it if, you, if it's something that you haven't done. You want to trick Manning. Um, as, as funny as it is to say, um, I'm all about X's and O's and Johnny's and Joe's. That's the key to football. But every once in a while, if you can pull a little shenanigans point points on the board, that's awesome. And I, that's kind of what I expect. Todd Haley is not a trickster. He's not Shane Gailey. He's not Ken Wisenhut. He's not, not Mike Malarkey. I think you may see a trickster play or two from the Steelers this week because I think that they may be looking to manufacture that early offense. You know, it may be something on the special teams. Danny Smith, we hate him at times. We love him other times. He's actually a pretty good special teams coach. You know, maybe he has something cooked up. The Steelers, they play like a completely different team whenever they have the lead. Whenever they're a, conf- when they're a confident group, they can play with any team in the NFL. It's just getting confidence. Yeah, and to, and to me, confidence, you know, I, I think for all of anything you can say, that's critical of Mike Tomlin. The one thing is it seems like every year where he really works on building up is the confidence of his team to believe that, you know, they can, they can play well enough to win that they're good enough. You know, he's like that Stuart Smalley, you know, you're there. <laughs> damn it. You're good. You're good enough and you can win. <laughs> but right. uh, anyway, just talking about, uh, you know, going against tendency in this game uh, on a sort of related note, is just some thought. I have some thought that maybe Ben is so, uh, dependent on looking for Antonio Brown because he's always open that uh, it may be, you know, at times can affect the diversity of the offense and maybe sometimes work against them a little bit. So in, in, in that sense, you know, is there a possibility? I mean, I'm, I'm answering my own question, but do you agree with me that maybe this this diversity in the offense, not knowing as much where the ball is going to go, might, might work out as a big benefit? Because I would much rather have the best wide receiver in the NFL flying for me. So, but yeah, it <laughs> I mean, it's, other guys are going to have to step up. Is what it comes down. What it comes down to is, you know, AB is a no go. You know, this is the time for Sammy Coates and for Marcus Wheaton and Martavius Bryant, Heath Miller. You know, it may be some guy that you never expect, and that's the way it purely is with these things. Talking about Timmy Smith, 
from the Redskins. I understand that was a Super Bowl. But a lot of times playoff games are won by the guys that you just don't think of. Maybe it's going to be, you know, uh, a Shamarka Thomas recovering a kickoff, or, you know, a fumble on a kickoff or a punt. I mean, you know, it, maybe it's going to be Bud Dupree blocking a punt, Jarvis Jones blocking a punt. You know, those are two starters, but it's not something that you expect. That, and I'm not saying that the Steelers need luck or good fortune or shenanigans to win this game, but they help. You know what I mean? That, that I, I, I don't think any team's ever, you know, complained about being lucky. And I don't believe in preparation and hard work is what luck equals bullshit. Sometimes those football gods look at you and just say, ha, 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 yes. <laughs> and other times you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate what you're trying to do, but no. <laughs> the, uh, could our trickeration involve our our, uh, our six foot uh, ten or whatever the hell he is, uh, Army Ranger? No. Because, no. But, no what, you don't what, see but, but what it could involve is uh, our six foot receiver on the quick little ladder of out. Double thumb because, like Cedric Wilson, Martavius Bryant's a former quarterback before he went to Clemson. Keith Miller's a former quarterback. Yeah, you know, got recruited the University of Virginia quarterback. And if only they had, if only they had Flazell Adams to throw the ball downfield. Right. <laughs> it was you know, the guy. I was telling, telling that story. Yeah, have you, no. that's that's he's really something that uh, that he supposedly could throw at seventy yards. Yeah. Adams. Anyway, last I mean, the, 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 the more I told you, the, the thing that's more sick than Flusso Adams was to watch Fat Jerry Ball sit on like the 50 yard line before games and just sit there and chuck ball after ball after ball and hit the perfect circle and the lines in the end zone, and then he would start hitting the Y in the goal uh, off the field goal before games. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. 50 yards off his butt and just with precision. <laughs> well, if you only could figure out a way to use that in a game, right? That's right. the problem with it. They couldn't figure it, never could figure out how to use Clozell. Just that one time he picked up a fumble and tried to throw it downfield, I think. Uh, anyway, we're, we're dating ourselves uh, and our obscure knowledge of uh, Steelers football, apparently. Anyway, um, so, uh, what, you know, the Denver's big uh, thing defensively that they want to talk about aside from their pass rush are these corners that they that they have to match up against anybody? Now that you don't have Antonio Brown in the game, you think they'll still set up with uh, Talib on Bryant and Harris on whoever lines up on the Waiting. other uh, outside? This could, be, this could be Marcus. Everybody knows it's going to be Marcus Wheaton. And yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, wait, that's think... a good question. Do you think Wheaton moves to the outside? Because I, I think he stays right where he was. The, I, the Tribune Review uh, actually basically said Wheaton's going to replace AB. And the, as the as the starter, now I don't know how accurate that is, but that was this morning. So, and I think I kind of figured it was going to be Wheaton. And hey, but wait, but sport. wait, hang on, but hang on a second. If that's one thing when they're running two two wide receivers, but when they sure. have one three wide, it, it makes Wheaton of the, all the guys they have is the most slot receivery type. I mean, I'm I'm all right. I actually think they're going to put uh, they were. I think they're going to put Darius Hayward in the slot. Wow. I, yeah, I know. Well, that's yeah, really what you think of to do. I'm not thrilled with it. But whenever you go four wide receivers and you got Darius Hayward Bay and most likely, you know, Sammy Coates inside, that really, uh, if, if if the offensive line can actually hold up and if a back can, 
pick up the blitz, that's going to be really, really interesting to see how they cover it because you're guaranteed to have two very large wide receivers at the same side of the field and Martavius Bryant and either, you know, Sammy Coates or Darius Hewitt. And they can take the top off coverage. You can do a lot of interesting things. And you're going to have to play a safety, you know, <laughs> deep that's to that, at least to that half of the field. And if you try to split in the quarters, quarters, you know, they, they should be able to, you know, run over the top of pretty much any coverage in the NFL. It can bend, deliver the ball perfectly downfield. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Vick got this week and see something, something with him involved in it. I guarantee you the Steelers are not going to go down in this game quietly. Yeah, I don't think it'll be the meek uh, beatdown that a lot of people are predicting. Oh, anybody that thinks the Steelers are going to get something, they just have absolutely no understanding of the fucking character of this team. Yeah. It just feels this, is times, this is historically when Tomlin teams step up and play the best. I was hoping that you would get, like, the Steelers would actually get, like, a good, you know, maybe some good karma, good mojo, AB can play, and, you know, Ben's healthy. Because I think that we can thump Denver if we're right, if we're healthy. And, I mean, that's not even Le'Veon Bell and Marquise Townsend being back. I think we can top them with who we went into the Cincinnati Bengals game with. Yeah. Well, that's not like Ben had a good practice today and, and did every made all the throws they wanted him to make through 40 yards downfield and stuff. So I'm not, I'm not me, concerned about him. No, to me, I, 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 I've had two shoulder rebuilds, and whenever I looked at that, and it's a second-degree AC sprain, that's a fucking joke, dude. That, it's, it's a little bit discomfort. I mean, not it's – to put this in terms that a lot of people would be able to relate to, imagine you stubbed your toe, and it's just an ache after the the, the, the toe stubbing that you have. It's 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 not a horrible pain where you have crack, 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 crack. I believe still Noggin, great poster board, said he had a third degree shoulder spring, and it killed him. And that's completely accurate. I mean, the the separations of, like, the first, second, and third degree – sprains like to the ankle or to the shoulder and the knee are very substantial. It's a lot, you know, a big difference between the two. A first degree sprain, you don't even really realize that you got it done. It was basically they wanted to run the MRI to run the insurance up. Second degree sprain, they might be a little bit concerned, but, you know, they're doing the MRI because you might have a limited amount of motion. I'm not too concerned about that in his arm. Yeah, I mean, of, of all the guys, I'm not that concerned about. That would be the starting point, anyway. But also, my biggest well, concern is how the fuck are we going to block Malik Jackson? Hey, that's, wait, before we get to him, because he is he is the next item on the agenda. But before we get there, <laughs> you know, I've just I would like to remind you that that I I referenced earlier the Mario Williams uh, hit on Ben opening week of 2008. That's the game that was the first start for uh, for Kimo Atu, and he right. you know basically olayed Mario Williams into Ben. Uh, Mario Williams fell on top of Ben's throwing shoulder. Ben had a sprained AC joint that uh, lingered at least until mid-November, if not longer. It, you know, it was just that in November they admitted that he had not healed yet. Uh, right. And, you know, in that season, the next week after the injury was a game in Cleveland with 60-mile-per-hour wind gusts. Ben threw, uh, you know, a frozen rope touchdown. I mean, it's post-frozen rope uh you know, long first down to Heath Miller in the middle, a nice, uh, you know, pass to to Heinz uh, Ward, uh, and also a, you know, 40-yard pass downfield completion to Santonio Holmes that was sort of on the money. So, you know, it's, it sort of felt like if he can go out in windy conditions a week after that 
very similar injury and throw the ball around at least that much. Um, you know, A, he's somewhat superhuman, robotic, but B, B, you know, I think he's going to be okay for a playoff game. Maybe, you know, he doesn't have 60 throws in that wing, but I'll bet you he's got enough in there to do, um, you know, to do well. Anyway, so just another history doesn't necessarily explain what's going to happen, but I would have to say that history favors, uh, you know, the, the, the tough teams and the Steelers at this point. Um, let's talk Malik Jackson. Uh, I was going to, the way I was going to couch the question was, who has a better chance, uh, the, the, defense, the Denver offensive line blocking Cam Hayward or the Steelers offensive line blocking Malik Jackson? Because in the previous meeting, neither accomplished that task. No, um, it's, it's about equal. Um, the, the, the one thing that the Steelers have going for them that I believe that Denver doesn't is uh, Denver likes to be cute at times, and they like to line Malik Jackson up on the outside eye of the guard which would be the inside eye of the tackle. And if you want to give the Steelers tackles natural down blocks, um, Ben should go first sound so that you take the snap count out of it, and they should basically hatch it every single fucking play. Zone it, kick it down, shoot your helmet across the front of his knees, and make him pick himself up off. It's a legal block. There's no chance. It's not dirty. We're not being like that's perfect here. It's not no no, no BS. Um, but you want to slow someone down, you take away their pins, chop them down. I do the same thing with Derek Wolf, who's nowhere near the player than Malik Jackson. Is, but he's still a good player. I mean, viewers have to take what's given to them at times. And uh, they didn't do that against Cincinnati. And they've done it all year. Um, it's Munchak is a classy guy, despite I would like to get into that, too. I wish he would have fucking, like, ripped the dude's fucking weave out of his head. But that's a different story. I mean, Mike Munchak is, like, as classy as, like, you get in the NFL. And for them to act like, they got coaches that are trying to horse tackle us and horse cars. I was like, yeah, you try to run, you throw a flipper into my chest. You're lucky he didn't kick you in the nuts. I wish you would have went 1932 and, like, went, like, straight on soccer kick to the nuts. Yeah, and, he, and, and he got fined $10,000 for that, too. Uh, I mean, I hope that our Rooney or the, the Eddie Munster Rooney comes off some dough and gives him a little Christmas bonus or something because I think that's horse crap. I, it really did feel like he was just, you know, he was his natural I think so. player. The player was going after his player instead of going back to the field, and he just was trying to stop him, you know, standing in his way. I, I think that's what you're supposed to do when you are an adult in the situation where, where two guys are trying to get in each other's face, you're supposed to get in between them and stop them. And that's exactly what he did. So I, I don't understand what business Reggie Nelson has of continuing after he's already three yards into the Steelers bench to, instead of going back to the field where he came from to continue to go after the player farther into the sideline. I just feel is like, that's not just a breach of protocol. That's, that's something that, you know, you just should never be allowed to do without repercussions. Correct. Did you uh, watch those Australian commentators call the Steelers <laughs> Bengals highlights you did? <laughs> I me, totally brain did. Fuck <laughs> me, brain daddy, call me Lamar Odom. <laughs> I was like, oh. That's pretty uh, much it, yeah. I said that well, to my father. Someday, my I, father circulated that at work, and at the Lions Club. He thought it was the funny uh, <laughs> I uh, someday, Etsy. I keep threatening. You and I are going to call a game. We're going to. Oh my! <laughs> we should do it for the podcast for the preseason. 
Oh my God! It would be the this funniest is... thing ever. <laughs> I think so too. I think I think we uh, we owe it to ourselves to try this one time because uh, yeah, I feel like it would sound a little bit like that. <laughs> That's what it starts. Fuck me, brain that he called me Lamar Odom. <laughs> exactly. How about the Martinez uh, Brian catch? Tell me, tell me. Uh, we gotta get to that real quick. That somersault catch, the touchdown catch. Were you like, yeah. whenever you seen the replay of that, were you just like, <laughs> yeah? Fuck I, I texted a friend of mine. A friend of mine sent uh, a uh, you know text to me that was like WTF question mark question mark, and I wrote back. Uh, Martavis Bryant either just made one of the greatest catches you'll ever see in your life or the Steelers are getting screwed out of the greatest play you'll ever see in your life. But, you know, it's after the Troy, after the Troy reversal in 2005, anything's possible. You know, so I, I wasn't holding my – basically, I couldn't even enjoy it because I was expecting the worst with the, uh, the ruling because it would have been really – it would have been totally easy for them to come back and say, well, you know, he moved for a second, he didn't really have control, and – you know, they could have they could have said that, and we would have been angry, but they could have got, totally gotten away with it. You know, so lucky that that turned out the way that it did. Terrific. Uh, although, you know, as it was pointed out, if you're John Stallworth, you just catch that perfectly thrown back shoulder throw, and it doesn't even look like anything. You know, but because because he's Davis Bryant, he sort of you know it dropped it out of his hands, and then he had to recatch it and push it against his butt and everything. You know, if you just catch the ball where it's thrown to you, you don't have to go through all of that. That would be the flip side. It still was special. Sure. Sure. Old curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, kid, get out of my yard, you kids. Get out of my, get off my lawn. Are we going to get this far without talking about a keep to leaves mom? We got to, dude. Maybe we shouldn't, because it's good luck when we bat my feet. I'll put it this way. Um, I'll put it wait, this not way. Like, if, how about Demar- Demarius Thomas's mom? Who, who, she's not who's as been bad, in prison. Dude. If, can, you imagine, in prison Antonio Brown, can you imagine if that happened to keep to leave? Like, his mom would be coming out of the stands with her, like, purse and her handgun. It would have been like she would have shot Joey Porter. Probably try to shoot Dion Fingers again because he was an honorary captain or some shit. See, here's just, what I would say. If a keep to leave's mom comes on the field, it's going to be a penalty. I'm, just, I'm going to go out on a limb <laughs> and say, and say that I couldn't somehow they'll penalize her. Can you believe how many people went on to, like, the field in tarps and didn't, like, get ejected? Like, that was I've automatic. Like, I've never said anything like that. That's automatic. Coming off the sideline, that's another player, you're gone. I mean, bye-bye. That's automatic. And it didn't happen once. It didn't happen twice. It happened six or seven times. Yeah, that was, was – it, it was kind of like an old-time football game. I mean, like, in a way – You know what? But the – my father-in-law said... I call it Thunderdome. Basically... If you want to play with Thunderdome rules, just make sure both teams know you're playing with Thunderdome rules. Okay, let's go. Yeah. I mean, James Harrison, he's familiar with Thunderdome rules. Ryan Shazir showed that he's kind of familiar with Thunderdome rules. Hell, we'll get Ryan Clark. Mike Mitchell's familiar with Thunderdome rules. You know? Well, I'm, just, this... I'm, going to put this, I'm going to put this out there to you, FC. If the Steelers somehow win the Super Bowl this season... You know what Thursday night is going to be to start the season, right? Probably, if I had to guess, it's going to be Steelers Bengals. You got to go with division. Right. Yeah, all the, all, you know what? The perfect, perfect because play. perfect suspended. Yeah, perfect suspended. But well, maybe I'm surprised he lose his job. Like, well, maybe maybe he can appeal his suspension like Tom Brady and be right. available to play opening week. Right. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I, I Were you surprised I, Marvin Lewis kept his Extremely. I, I wrote in the, the post-game write-up that I thought he had two days left to be the head coach of the Bengals and it was going to be gone. Right. But there, he, he, had, he had to be gone. It's not even the playoffs. He lost control of his team. Whenever yeah, your team that's... is not beat by the other team, it's beat by themselves with just foolishness and selfishness. You need a different leader of your men. And uh, I'm surprised Oakland hired Hugh Jackson. Or, excuse me, I'm surprised that Cleveland hired Hugh Jackson. Um, I think that's another mistake, too. But yeah, well, he, yeah, I, I, I actually – here's the thing I don't get about him. He said he would take the job provided they got rid of Johnny Manziel before he got there. And I, I'll be honest with you, when you're the, when you're the Cleveland Browns, you don't, you know, it's not like you have a better quarterback sitting there. So I don't understand giving away assets, whether or not you, they're problem assets that you're going to have to figure out a way to make work. That's the whole point of taking a coaching job, isn't it? Is that you're going to say, I'm going to evaluate not, everything on the right. team and make it work. They're not going to be able to spend it a cap. At the very worst, put Johnny Menzel in, like, uh, you suspend him with a pen and you tell him to get his off-field shit taken care of. The, the NFL gives you the ability to do that up, for, up to 10 games. It's a Terrell Owens ruling where you can suspend him, pay him, and you pay him for the 10 weeks, and you see what you can get out of him. I mean, I completely agree with you. You don't hand, you know, give away assets. Everyone thinks Johnny Manziel is going to go run and sign with Dallas. I don't think it's going to happen. I won't be surprised to see him in Houston. I think Johnny Manziel wants to play. And he ain't going to start yeah. in Dallas. They got, that, they got Tony Romo. I mean, regardless of what we think of him, he's not going to walk in there and start. You know, um, I, there's well, aspects of Johnny you, Manziel you take, that I hate. Would you take Johnny Manziel over you know, as a number three quarterback in Pittsburgh? I think Johnny Manziel is the second quarterback in Pittsburgh. I'm a Johnny Manziel fan. There's some things that I see that you can't coach. He's ultra-competitive. He wants to win. He's horrible at the bottom. And you know what? If he didn't work out, I'd cut his ass. But you, you can never give me enough guys that want to compete. You know, it, it, football is a fight. And at the end of the day, you need people that are willing to throw shots and to take shots. And I believe Johnny Manziel is willing to throw shots. And I think he's willing to take shots. I'll say the same thing about Antonio Brown. I, I'll say it a, a, about a ton of Steelers. There's not a lot of gutless Steelers. I'll say that. And I think that Johnny Manziel would be, if, if, if he was playing in the 50s or 60s, I think we'd call him Bobby Lane. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I know. Hey, Coach, speaking of which, you're going to air Super Bowl one tonight where Max McGee famously said to his running mate at tight end, <laughs> you got you got to stay in the whole game. I can't go in. I've been out drinking until 7. I'm still drunk. <laughs> and then second play of the game, he goes in, makes two of the most one-handed, nicest-handed catches because one-handed catches didn't take place that often back then. Spinning, whirling, derbish, yeah. Indeed. All right, well, that, that segues nicely into our Around the League segment uh, brought to us by – um, my boy Gene Senator Washington PA. Um, that that <laughs> stupid prick. Um, that like he like called it wrong three times. And he, I think that he turned off his mic and he was just basically like, "Fuck it." Um, the uh, Walt Coleman. I think it was Walt Coleman. It might not be. Yeah, it was Walt Coleman. He like oh, yeah, he was like, "Fuck it." And the mic went on. I was like, "Oh, sorry, you say fuck it." <laughs> um, and we'll go with uh, the late great. Uh, David Bowie. Ooh. Yeah, man. Hey, David Bowie lived right. He died right. He he he, he basically nailed death and stuck the landing, man. I mean, you, you can't do it better than that. Nope. You really can't. 
I wasn't really a very big fan of 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 the, of the music, to be honest with you. And but I was a fan that he was always him. It's like Elton John. People like hate on Elton John. I think Elton John's awesome. <laughs> I really do. He's just basically like fuck you. And that's how somebody, anybody that's judgmental, that's how you have to attack them. Fuck you. Fuck the emotions. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, I got them all right last week. Did you? Did you? Uh, how were your picks last week? I did I not get them all right. How about that? You might have missed that. I think you might have missed that Minnesota Seattle. No, I did. I yeah, the, uh, how which, sick which, would that been if I would if, that, if I would have gone all right with that? <laughs> I was going to say you 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 probably had it picked right considering the way that game you know right. Uh, although Seattle probably going to get the ball back there with the chance to get a field goal, but still maybe uh, that, that was crazy. That was a horrendous miss. Um, actually, Greek Seal is still on the line there, but he probably thinks I'm crazy. I said during the thread that, you know, the previous field goal attempt for, for Minnesota, Richard Sermon, actually the ball looked like it actually went across the palm of his hand, like he was that close to blocking it, even though the field goal, the previous field goal was good. And it seemed like the next kick, you know, he was just like a golfer who's, who knows there's a hazard to the right. You know, there's like a tree in front of you, and your tendency is to want to Pull, pull that a little bit yep. extra just to keep it from hitting that tree, even though all you have to do is hit it straight and you're fine. And I felt like there was just a little bit of that in play, uh, that, which might have made a difference in that game. Anyway, uh, the matchups this week. Let's start with the Green Bay at Arizona. Um, I heard someone today, a prominent sports figure, say Green Bay was going to shock the world and beat Arizona. Arizona hasn't really done anything, and Aaron Rodgers has been here many times before, and he's going to – they're not just going to win. They're going to blow out Arizona. Um, do you see any chance of that happening? No. <laughs> I think Arizona's going to win. <laughs> I mean, I like Aaron Rodgers. I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. But, no, I, and I'm not a big Carson Palmer fan. But whenever you take into effect Malcolm Floyd, you know, John Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson, you know, that's that's pretty talented, you know, pretty talented skill positions they have on offense. And I understand that they're missing Honey Badger on defense, but they still got a pretty fierce defense. And uh, they got the gambler, head coach. I mean, and he's not a gambler like necessarily like uh, some of these college coaches. But Bruce Arians, even when he gambles, his players believe in him. And that's part of being B.A. B.A. is just a cool motherfucker. He's like yeah. white chap. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's how I describe B.A. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, he's he's like he's like the dude from the like the coolest man alive or the most interesting man. That's like Bruce Arians. He really is. It's this heavy yeah. cancer. Fuck it, you know. <laughs> yes, I, I I settle Ben down. I introduce him to his wife. You know. I basically I basically think this game breaks down one of two ways. I feel like <laughs> it's either a sort of a, a shootout that isn't really that close, like a thirty-five twenty-four game, right? Um, or it's a a game where it, it ends up being uh, un, unbelievably and unexpectedly a defensive battle um, that you know it's separated by a couple of plays at the end. Either way, if it's a, if it's a defensive battle, uh, David Johnson I think is a big factor in this game. Um, just what he, you know, the fact that you know he he maybe he's not a good as, as good a runner as uh, as Lacey. He maybe you know is not as good a pass receiver as say Le'Veon Bell, but he does enough of both well enough that when he comes in the game, it doesn't tip their hand too much about what they're trying to do. And I think that's a big factor. Uh, so I'll take Arizona as well. Um, Kansas city at new England. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so tempted to not want to just ride the bandwagon and say Kansas city is going to 
go in there and stomp New England. Because it just feels like the Patriots, you know, they often look like crap towards the end of the season. And then they come in the playoff game, and suddenly everybody's healthy, and they're, you know, headset trauma for the opposing team. And before you know it, they win by a couple touchdowns. But I, I still think Kansas City is not only better than New England, they're better at New England in the places that you have to be to beat New England. Um, they, their, their defensive front, pass rush, and corners are the strength of their football team, and that really is proven to be a bugaboo for, for New England over the years. So I'm going to take Kansas City. What do you, what do you think? Justin Houston's going to go, but the groin's not good. Tomahaw Lee got a bad hand. Uh, Jeremy Macklin's going to go, but it's going to be iffy. Man, I can't bet against New England at home in the playoffs. So I would, I'll, I'll take New England. I'll hold my nose. I understand that Chandler Jones checked himself into uh, the hospital. Some people saying that he ate a little bit too much molly, a little too much ecstasy, and uh, went a little bit crazy. But he's supposed to be good to go. I'll take the Patriots. I'll hold, hold my nose and best deal probably hates my fucking guts right now. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Uh, and then uh, Seattle at Carolina, um, you know, aside from Pittsburgh-Denver, probably the best game this weekend. Actually, they're all, they're all pretty good games. They're good matchups. Right. Uh, but Seattle-Carolina, uh, you know, I, I think it's a very close game. I, you know, I'm not – maybe being at home is enough for Carolina to overcome their lack of having really, you know – Put up or shut up. You got to remember, Carolina beat the, the fuck out of them in Seattle. You got to remember yep. that. That's I know it's true. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Green Bay also beat the crap out of Minnesota before last week's game. Yes, sir. You know, so I, I just feel like it's play. It's playoff football, different animal than a regular season. And I, Carolina had all that flow. Don't they just? Maybe it's just me. They struck me as the kind of team that having the week off was not necessarily the best thing for them. They were really rolling. I agree. Um, I'm going to say that Seattle ekes out a victory against Carolina in this game. As much as I hate to say it, I would really like to see Carolina move on. Uh, but I think we're going to get another another week of Seattle Seahawks. What say you? Get ready to be shocked. I agree. Wow. And you're the, you're the big car- – you're, you're there. You see him. Yeah, I, I, I support – I cheer for Carolina. I do. Um, they're – they're like the the, the the dirty stepchild a little bit, you know, nasty stepchild that's always picking his nose and rubbing his balls down here. Like people don't want to you know, really take on the Carolina Panthers because they've had their hearts broke by them times. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, experience. And I really like Cam Newton. I think he's going to probably be the best football player on the field. But I don't like Ted Ginn. I don't like what the weather's looking like here. Um, I think that Seattle is better prepared for. It's going to be fairly chilly here, and it's going to rain in Charlotte, especially. Um, I gambled and I bet on Seattle, um, so I'm going to go the same way here. Nice. And Seattle is a one and a half point favorite. It looks like uh, the, the at least Vegas betters feel like that's the closest game of the weekend. Um, sure. I'm just going to say to add to that. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, Cam Chancellor and. Uh, Cam Newton meet in a you know open field uh, situation, which Cam comes out of that uh, unscathed. Wow. Because um, <laughs> to me, because to me that's a big factor. Like that, that's the guy that, again. 
Cam Newton is the only quarterback that I ever seen outside of Ben that looks put on 25 pounds and play tackle in the NFL. And I, I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't really get about Cam Newton is just actually how big he is. Um, I got a picture of him and Greg Olson, their tight end, both cut their shirts off, and it's at the end of camp. It's just something that stood out to me. It's just how much bigger of a man Cam Newton is than Greg Olson. I mean, like Cam Newton could be standing in front of him and you wouldn't even see Greg Olson. He, he wouldn't be present. It would be like, peekaboo. He, Cam Newton is he just, he's not only big, he's dense. So, uh, and I've seen him take some <laughs> hellacious collisions in college. I know you're going to think college, but um, I want to say that it might, it wasn't high tower. It was one of those linebackers, inside linebackers at Alabama. And uh, he actually just fucking just ran him dead over. He, like, uh, he went Adrian Peterson, um, Jerome Bettis, Ernest Jackson, Merrill Hodgson, just like ran up his chest. I was like, Cam may steal computers, but Cam's a big kid. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, you know. Easy for him to, it was easier for him to steal computers because he's, he's big. No one wanted to mess with him. Right. He walked out with it. He could just pick it up and walk out with it. Who's going to stop him, really? Even Not even Cam Chancellor. No, I'm just, you know, I was just thinking out loud there. The reason I mentioned the Cam on Cam crime is it just feels like, you know, if for, for Carolina to really have a chance in this game, Cam Newton has to run free like that he has for most of the, the season. And I just have a feeling that Seattle is not going to let you do that without paying a price. And uh, it maybe, you know, maybe that's, that's okay because Cam Newton is such a big and tough guy running football. But Just, there's Jonathan ever, Stewart's ever a week just 100% too. He's a pretty big back. Jonathan Stewart's yeah. a pretty good back too. No one's run the ball in Seattle really. So it's they can do it. You know, I'm not going to bet, bet against them. Fair enough. All right. Well, that brings us to, uh, I mean, usually I say, if, you know, like it's a four-star match. It's like a five-and-a-half-star matchup this week because, A, we're, we're talking about it. <laughs> and we're talking about it, yeah. Um, if both teams are healthy, uh, I, I, you know, what I would say is if both teams are healthy, the difference between Cincinnati and Denver is like, uh, you know, uh, an eyelash. Like there's not really that much difference between the two teams. The difference is, you know, playing in Denver is a little tougher than playing in Cincinnati. That's the that's the biggest difference if both teams were totally healthy, right? So, right. you know, from this standpoint, you almost have to say Denver's quarterback is not totally healthy no matter who they're going to put in there. You know, but, but missing Antonio Brown makes this into uh, a game where it's harder to say that the Pittsburgh is definitely better. Uh, and even last week when they were definitely better, I think then that team across from them, they still found a way to, you know, to make it into a game that they shouldn't have won and managed to win anyway. I'll give you the first. I'll give you the first word. What do you What do you think really happens in this game after we've talked it to death? Um, kids, go to YouTube and look up 1980s football. That's going to be what both teams are going to be forced into doing. Um, I don't think it's going to be nasty. I'm not saying it's going to be a Thunderdome type game, but I think it's going to be, you know, about the run game, field position. This is like the dream, going to be the dream matchup between Marty Schottenheimer and Bill Cowher to see who can play better defense, run the football, and play good special teams. As funny as that sounds, um, I don't think either team wants uh, to take a chance with a quarterback that's injured. Um, I think that neither team wants to take the chance of getting their quarterback that's injured taken out to the point where they can't perform and play next week against uh, whoever they're going to play against. 
I know that sounds horrible, but it's the truth. Um, my hope and what I could see good old shit-eating grin Todd Haley doing is maybe having a few little trickerations cooked up, you know, for uh, Denver that no one sees coming. And I, I honestly believe the first team that gets to 20 points is definitely going to win. I wouldn't be surprised if 17 points wins this game. Um, I have a feeling the series are going to win this game 17-15. Yeah, uh, that's totally fair and logical. Um, I don't think it's going to be quite as much of a, a defensive – just put it this way. I don't think the Steelers are going to be uh, shut down on offense in this game to quite that extent. I do think that playing against Denver, you know, points are at a premium. It's not like you're necessarily going to be able to, you know, light up the scoreboard, especially without Antonio Brown. Uh, I'll say even that's worth saying twice, especially without Antonio Brown. But I still feel like, you know, they have, they still have weapons and they have the one that matters the most, the guy that wears seven. And as long as that guy is able to be in the game and throw like an NFL quarterback, not maybe hundred percent like you're used to seeing him throw, but, you know, representatively well with that talent on the field and his offensive line and run game that ought to be at least, you know, a compliment in this game. I think the Steelers can put up 24. Uh, I, I feel like I, I, it's a game, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very similar, I think, to the last, uh, you know, the 2005 playoff run. I think these two teams are really similar, the, the Steelers of that era and Steelers of now. They really rounded into form later in the season. Their best unit suffered some, some, uh, you know, they, ups and downs at, towards the end of the year, but you know, rounded into playoff form towards the end of the year. I could see this being a game where the Steelers get up by a couple scores. Denver makes it close late, uh, but I'll make it 24-19 Steelers. Um, I, you know, I just feel like they they maybe have, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a like you said a trickeration big play or defensive big play. Uh, or, you know, something from the offense a little bit more than expected. I just have a feeling the guy, the, the guy who wears seven, just, I, this has got to be the kind of game, you know, he played his biggest game maybe ever the week where he had a chance to match the best start ever for a quarterback in terms of wins, which is, you know, really the thing that he cares about. Well, I think more than anything, as far as his legacy, you know, that game against Indianapolis last year, uh, where he won 100 games as fast as anybody. And, you know, he's playing Peyton Manning. They both have 11 playoff wins. Um, clearly, you know, it's, if it isn't the last hurrah for Peyton, it's pretty close. And, uh, you know, this is a chance for, for Ben. Once again, it's a legacy game for him. And I, I, he's 4-0 in division games, and he's, you know, been a master of the legacy game really for his whole career, found a way to win one way or the other. This will be his biggest challenge yet in that regard. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that's the story. The story is the Steelers are missing three all-pros on offense in this game, but the guy who really makes that offense tick isn't an all-pro, except for, you know, in, on our show and on our board. But that, that guy, Ben Roethlisberger, I think is the difference in this game. Impossible for me to pick against him until he proves me wrong. Uh, and I hope it's not this week because I think, you know, if they could just get a little healthier, they can win this game somehow and get a little healthier next week. They have as good a shot as, as, as anybody of winning. Um, uh, last word for UFC. Imagine not. You do something where you don't get no money for it and you really don't get no acclaim. 
the only reason that you do it is because you're loyal, because you're a good dude, because you've got time, because you want to give something back. And that is a cat named Bradshaw to Ben with the Sierra Fury podcast. Thank you for spending as many hours as you do putting this together. We've been doing it for a long time. No, dude, serious. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you, you could be doing a lot of stuff with your time, but you take the time to do this and just shoot the shit, and we don't get nothing for it. We do it because we love the sewer football. We love, you know, shooting the shit. But still, at times it's, you know, you got to hustle up, change schedule around. You work. You got a life, you know, but you still find time to do this. So my final word is thank you for doing this all year. You make the site so much better. Well, listen, man, not to be trite, but you have been here with me every step of the way from day one. Uh, sure, but so, I mean, you know. So, you know, you got to get kudos to FC as well. I mean, I, you know, I would be silly to not uh, thank you and uh, the uh, other uh, people that made the show possible, including everybody that listens to it and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, I agree. Great Steel, Orange Steel, Bradshaw to Ben, Fury whenever he called in. He's a busy man. Hard news when he called in. Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> STD. Every single person that has taken the time to listen to this, you know, we thank you. You know, you make the sites better, and we thank you. We really do. You know, Greek called in. Orange is probably at work and stuff. He always calls in. You know, it, it's great to know that people appreciate it, but it's better to hear it, you know, from, you know, an individual. And if, you know, I just... I, I can't, I'm, I'm just so grateful that you do it. You know, it's just uh, like I stop and I think, and I'm like, this kidding. This, this got to be somewhat of a pain in the ass at times, but <laughs> always manages to get it done. Somehow we get it done. I think that's a good uh, analogy for this, the team that we that we represent. You know, uh, just you know, it's all about finding a way, especially this week. Uh, but anyway, I appreciate the kind words. Um, yes, sir. Listen, in, in, enjoy the game, everyone, and. You know, dude, if we get a chance to have a third AFC championship and potential Super Bowl run just since we've been doing this podcast, that would be pretty amazing. So that would be we'll awesome. get that again. You know what would be hopefully better we'll get that again. Going back to back and do four. <laughs> All right, well, don't get ahead of yourself. One step at a time. I hear you. Uh, that starts with a, a big Steelers victory this week. I'll talk to you after one of those. Uh, thanks again to Greek Steel for calling in, to FC uh, and for uh, Fury hard-nosed perch and all of the cats that make the podcast possible, including you, the listener. Enjoy Steelers football. Go get them Steelers. Go Steelers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.